What's up, everybody? I just wanted to pop on here before the episode starts to let you know that there is some slight audio issues for a little while. It doesn't last the whole episode. It was more of a, a StreamYard issue where we were recording. Uh, it, it comes up on Johnny's side when he, when he's talking a little bit. It doesn't last the whole episode. It, you could still hear what he's saying. It's just a little annoying. So I just wanted to let everybody know that that doesn't last the whole episode. It goes away at a certain point. Um, and hopefully you can still enjoy it. And thanks for listening. gentlemen welcome to episode three of the big nickel idp podcast on the big three network i am your host john macri pffs idp specialist and data analyst this episode we're going to continue the top buy sell hold candidates for idps in the afc so Last episode, myself and Mr. Mike Wollert covered all of the top options from the NFC. And now I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by another longtime IDP veteran, writer at idpguys.org, co-host of both the IDP Guys podcast and DFSSS, the cornerback whisperer, and most importantly, the king of free real estate, Johnny the Greek. Johnny, thank you for being here. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm great, man. How are you? I love that intro. Yeah, yeah. Get Hey, it's free real estate. It's free real estate. It's my favorite gift now. I love it. It's so funny. Yeah, it makes me laugh every single time. And yeah, I will always think of you now when I see it. <laughs> I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Nice to finally talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm excited to have you. And uh, yeah, we're going to get to talk uh, quite a few IDPs here and uh, interested to, to get your thoughts. I know you, you've been doing this for a while now and uh, you're, you're one of the, the better minds in the industry. That's for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, man. Going to be great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, so yeah, Johnny, I, one of the things um, that I kind of, um, created for myself was <laughs> for myself and and for guests i guess and and i asked mike uh, this one last episode was I, I wanted to have like this common question uh that i can ask uh, all of our our idp experts that that come on the show uh and so i wanted to get your your thoughts on this as well um and the question basically is who would you put on your mount rushmores of idps from the time that you've kind of been playing in IDP league. So, so basically four IDPs that can, it can either be your most rostered guys during that time, uh, who you think were the best IDPs, maybe guys who helped you win the most championships, whatever you want. Uh, who would you put on your IDP Mount Rushmore? That is a great question, man. I'm sure Mike had a great answer for you too, because he's been doing this for a minute as well. Um, yeah, love this question because uh, okay. So I first my first IDP team was o three o four. My first IDP title team was o five o six. That was six IDP, two DB, two LB, two IDP flex. That was Lance Briggs, London Fletcher, 
Delta O'Neill, Troy Palomalu, Zach Thomas, and Jonathan Vilma. I've been doing this for about 18, 19 years. Um, yeah, how about you? I mean, I want to hear yours too. Who you got? Who are your guys? Yeah, no, those are <laughs> those are some good ones. I think a lot of people probably won't remember those ones, but I, I the names, especially like Troy Palomalu and Jonathan Vilma too. That's a definite name that I, I haven't heard in a long time. But uh, um, yeah, for me, I've been playing since 2010, so not nearly uh, as long as yourself. But um, my guys ended up being guys that uh, that are still kind of playing, just because when I went through my rosters, they were on a ton of them. Um, so that's what I went with was my, my most rostered guys. So they were Levante David, uh, Dion Jones, Aaron Donald, and Landon Collins was a big one as well. So he's not on all my rosters right now, but he was a big part of them. And, and those four guys helped me win the most championships, I'd say, on the IDP side. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent suggestions. I mean, Aaron Donald, man, especially in a DT-specific league, yeah. is such such a massive advantage just massive advantage yeah I, I love that yeah yeah for sure donald he was a guy like in my in my main league that i drafted um right out of the rookie draft and and yeah he's been on my team ever since and he's he's an absolute beast i, I love having him on my team and he's probably gonna he's probably gonna retire on my team to be honest so. <laughs> there you go man I, so i got one for you so okay so if i had to legit answer this i would say Chris Hope, London Fletcher, Antoine Winfield Sr., and Patrick Willis. Ooh, that's and, good. And I would say my favorite slash the one that I won the most titles with was Anton Winfield Sr. because uh, he was a corner that you would get safety one production in your cornerback slot at season after season after season. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't remember him as much as an IDP, but I remember him being like a really good <laughs> Uh, NFL corner. And yeah, that makes sense that you'd have them on there as you have that cornerback article in season that you, that you come out with weekly. So I know you have a love for the position and, um, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. That's uh, if you can get safety production out of a corner, I think that's a, a cheat code basically in itself. Oh dude, hundred percent, man. And if you're tuned in and, and you like, you're streaming well with corner, you can do that every week. Like, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, that's, that's why I love corners. Cause a lot of people tend to forget about them, put them on the back burner, but if you like do it well, it's, it's a, you know, it's a position you can have a huge advantage at. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll cover a couple corners at least, uh, today too. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. I'd like to get your, um, your thoughts on those guys, but, um, yeah, so, uh, I think, uh, I think we'll get into it here. We, we got a, we got a pretty good list of, of names to go through. Um, so yeah, so the, the NFL offseason, as we know, is kind of like peak dynasty season. Uh, I, I myself love kind of making trades and, and signing free agents, doing the rookie drafts, all of that stuff. And, and the trades are something we do all year long for the most part. But I do find that before like NFL teams really start to kind of take form is, is a good time to kind of speculate where the best values might be as far as um, buys and sells and, and even holds. And then hopefully maybe sneak in and steal us some some great roster pieces that can help us win a championship uh in like february march so that, that that's what we're going to try to do uh and figure out today in this in this episode and 
one thing that I do like to mention when it comes to, to trade discussions like these, and, and I mentioned this in all my articles uh, that cover this topic as well, is that there's always going to kind of be extenuating circumstances for trades, especially in, in Dynasty, whether it's because of you know contract leagues or multiplayer offers, um, whether your team is in like a rebuild or, or if you're a contender, uh, you'll get offers that are too good to pass up and then you'll get offers that are just so bad you have no choice to decline. So just keeping that in mind as we go through um, some of the names for those people that are listening, it's not that these are automatic buys or anything like that. There, there can be extenuating circumstances, but these are these are some of the names that I would try to be targeting in trades anyways, um, whether it's a buy or a sell, uh, and then some of the holds as well. So with that out of the way, um, Johnny, I'll let you kind of kick things off as we start in the AFC East with the New York Jets. Thank you, sir. And yeah, you made a great point there, man. It all depends, you know, what type of league you're in. I, yeah, I've been doing this for a minute, so I tend my leagues tend to be DT specific, cornerback specific. I mean, I play sleeper, but it's I don't know. It's it's like if I, uh, if it, I play it with people that are newer, um, right. You know what I mean? So yep. these here that I wrote down are for like those more degenerate type MFL leagues. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So starting with the Jets. Uh, so my buy is Folo Rorsuno. I probably said that wrong. Fatu Kasi, defensive tackle. He is a 2022 unrestricted free agent. He had an 80.1 PFF last year. He had 42 combined tackles and two sacks, but he did that only seeing significant playing time towards the end of the season. No one's heard of him. He went to UConn. I live 10 miles from UConn. I've never heard of him. He won't cost you anything and could be a really solid defensive tackle in Dynasty for the cost of probably a mouse click. So my sell is all the Jets linebackers. I don't care who they are. Uh, Hewitt, Cashman, Mosley, whatever. I mean, you're talking... A 75 PFF in 2019 for Mosley. That's the best out of all those guys in the last couple of years. And that's decent, sure, but Cashman and Hewitt aren't special. Uh, they're all just warm body guys at this point. You can get something. Uh, if you can get something for them, fire away, right? Just pay attention. You can find something better. Um, you know, in the last two years, you had guys like James Burgess and Harvey Lange. They were available off this Jets team that you could get for nothing more than the cost of paying attention. They gave you just as good of production as guys like Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman when they were playing. So it's it's really, to my eye, the same person, just different names, right? Like, there hasn't been a special Jets linebacker since Mosley was healthy. And, you know, God only knows what's going to happen with him. So I'm just not super into the Jets linebacker core right now. And my hold is Quentin Williams. Oh, Thank you. Uh, at defensive tackle, especially, and to a lesser extent, if he's a DE or a DL. Uh, he had an 81.4 PFF last year, which is pretty good. He's a 2024 unrestricted free agent, so he's on his contract for a while. He really came on last season. He's worth exponentially more as a defensive tackle, but still has decent value as DL. Sky's the limit. As long as uh, they, they never circle back on that gun charge in the airport, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, that was scary for for a minute there for Quinn and Williams owners um, was the gun charge thing. But yeah, I, I, it sounds like it's kind of been swept it, under the rug. Or, yeah, or, dude, that's that's Corona in the United States. We're, we're not doing business in courts right now. <laughs> I, I've, I've had a texting and driving ticket that's been sitting there for eight months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so there you go. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So hopefully it doesn't have to come back up. And I mean, if it does, hopefully by that point, you know, he's he's uh, well past his prime. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I like I like the Quinn and Williams call. I mean, yeah, I think you got to hold him right. Like he's he's probably the best defensive player on that Jets team. And he really kind of turned it on, especially in the second half of the season. Um, I know he had like a 67 pass rush grade in in the first six games and then jumped to like an 80.4 in the last seven games. So he, he he's really kind of come on near the end of last season and, and the Jets were going to trade him at one point too. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand that move, like the, the thought behind that, but luckily they didn't. Um, and then just, yeah, kind of working backwards, I guess. Yeah. Your cells, the linebackers. I mean, yeah, that linebacker core has been awful. Like you said, the names, James Burgess, Neville Hewitt, Harvey Lange, um, Blake Cashman. Those guys have not been good. They're, they're just guys. They're just bodies. Um, CJ Mosley. Uh, yeah, he's, he's good. But it's, he's one of those guys. I don't think you're going out of your way to buy him. You're, you're probably, you know, if you're selling them, you're probably not selling them for much, but at this point it's kind of worth it, especially for maybe what uh, the, the frustration that you've been dealing with um, in, in owning him the last t- two years or so since he's become a jet. So who knows what'll happen with him again? Maybe he plays another game with the jets, maybe not, but he is under contract at least. So, but yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind selling him at all. Uh, and then, yeah, the, um, the buy Foloronzo Faducasi, I, <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds Italian, right? And I, I don't <laughs> think he is, but maybe he's from Sicily. Who knows? I, I don't really know his background, but like you said, he went to Yukon and, and, the Jets are kind of this interesting team, I think, for like defensive tackles. Um, they have a nice little set of of interior defenders over there between Quinn and Williams, Fadukasi, and even John Franklin Myers was a guy that I really liked. So they, they have some good players there. And I think, yeah, like you said, Fadukasi for nothing, you can get him. And he's he's just a big run stuffer in the middle that can do you um, some nice damage in, in uh, those dt premium leagues or dt specific leagues yeah worth a shot man right definitely um all right so moving on to the miami dolphins my buy and honestly there's there's probably not any player on this miami defense that i'm actively looking to buy right now but the guy that I kind of like is Eric Rowe, uh, the safety there. I, I can't imagine he costs all that much to acquire, kind of like Fadukasi on, on the Jets. I think you can get Rowe for for next to nothing. He had a good year this year. Um, he's he's kind of this hybrid safety slash slot corner, but mostly plays in the box. And he has that kind of nice tackle floor as well. Uh, he was even second on the team this year uh, in in total tackles, and that the second year in a row as well uh, with with ninety one this year. And so I, I'm kind of targeting Eric Rowe a little bit just for a cheap safety to get. I, I do think eventually Miami's third rounder from this past year, I think it's Brandon Jones, eventually kind of takes a full-time role there. But but for now, Rowe's under contract until like 2023, and Miami's not really in need of saving any cap. So I think Rowe gets another year as a starter, and he's a nice cheap, cheap option to, to fit into your lineup as you need him. And... 
my sell is going to be Xavier Howard. Um, so this this is kind of an easier one for me anyways. I, I like to try to capitalize off these huge years, um, especially at the cornerback position or, or defensive back position safeties as well, even linebackers to an extent. Uh, if you have somebody that's interested in Howard, um, you want to try and squeeze what you can out of them. Those 10 interceptions are a really nice stat to have when you have them on your team, but not necessarily something that's repeatable. I think you'd probably want to capitalize on that and any kind of above average value that you can get for, for a corner like Howard, I'm going for it. So you can, you can grab another starting corner. Um, and I'm sure Johnny's got plenty of them that he can name for you. So to, to fill that hole, but I'm more than happy to try and move Howard and, and kind of profit off that, that big year that he had last year. And my, my hold is going to be Emmanuel. Ogba. So again, Miami's kind of this weird defense because I there's I could probably make the case to sell every player on this defense, but if, if there's one guy that I still kind of like as as just the hold, I, I think it's probably Ogba based on what his potential market his trade market might be. I, I think you know he he did set career highs for himself in sacks with nine, pressures with sixty six. QB hits with 12, he had three forced fumbles, uh, 26 defensive stops. He had a really nice year. Pass rush grade was like a 64.5. So, you know, about average. And he he was, he was a really good IDP. I think with him being around for so long at, and not really having a huge year like, like he did with this year that his, you know, his, his values maybe not as high uh, and you can, probably just better off you're better off kind of holding him i think there's still room for improvement with him i I think he'll once again kind of be in that starting spot for the dolphins uh next season and he he has all the athletic tools as well to kind of be an asset on your roster so i'm i'm happy to ride this dolphin for another year for sure awesome man yeah no i i I don't disagree with any of those so roe is currently listed as a safety or corner in Yahoo. And I mean, you know, if you can plug that box safety into a corner, like what happened with, I don't know, the Giants the year before last with Julian Love, right? Like stuff like that, where you get consistent week to week tackles of the box safety position at your cornerback slot is a huge advantage, massive advantage. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Love that. Um, You can also just stream them in sleeper if the matchup looks good, right? Like you do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, Xavier Howard, I love what you said there. Cause yeah, p- the 10 picks are great, but picks and picks and sacks are not a predictable stat. They're sporadic, unreliable. Uh, they happen when they happen. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Right. right. Uh, tackles past defenses are a little easier to know you're getting X amount per year. Um, so yeah, s- sell Howard while you can just, just stream instead, pick a guy that's in a great matchup that plays hundred percent of snaps and is going to get picked on. That'll be, you know, 85% of Xavier Howard's production for nothing more than the cost of a mouse click and paying attention like that. That's the way to do it. And you just sold Howard and profited. So that's, that's perfect. Love that. Uh, and Agua. Yep. No, I agree. That's a great hold right there. I've, you know, no thoughts on that other than I agree. Uh, but I love what you said about the Miami defense. A lot of people that like, you know, play IDP, but don't really look at it more than just like, okay, I, I like these guys, they produce, like, don't really look at the defenses themselves, have no idea how blindingly frustrating 
the Miami, Detroit, and New England defenses are for IDP purposes. I, I mean, dude, looking at those snaps and, and the changes week to week based on the opponents and just what they do, and you never know who's going to be where and who's going to do what. Like trusting, this is like a blanket statement, trusting any IDP on Miami, Detroit, or New England is really a dice roll. So I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah, for sure. I, I even thought about putting like Jerome Baker as a sell as well, because he was another one. He got seemingly benched for a couple of games too. Like he just didn't play. And I, I think that's just the way that uh, um, Brian Flores and, you know, that Belichick, Belichick tree kind of, kind of coaches, they have this rotation that they like to stick to and it, it's not great for IDP. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, dude, hundred percent. Remember week one last year, he had like uh, this amazing week and he's the top waiver wire linebacker pick and everything. And I didn't even bother. Didn't yeah. even bother. You know, you know who I got? I got Tyrell Adams. I got Alex Singleton. I got Joe Thomas for five weeks that, you know, th- there are plenty of much better guys available. You just got to wait for the right situation. Absolutely. Yep. For sure. Um, all right. So let's go on to Buffalo. Alrighty, Buffalo Bills. This this is it's funny we talked about them before the show. This is my newly adopted AFC team. I've never had a second team, so I figured I'd, whatever. I'm on the bandwagon this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're a great story. So okay, my buy is Ed Oliver. I mean, he still hasn't done what everyone thought he would do. He was like one of the most hyped defensive tackles uh, in rookie drafts I think I've ever seen. Like. Uh, him and to a lesser extent, Quinn and Williams, those two guys that year was like nonstop hype. Um, you know, he does have some time left on his contract, 2024 UFA, uh, only a 48 PFF, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, so he still hasn't become what everyone thought he would become. And he even saw a second year dip in stats. He did not get better last year. Uh, he might've missed some games. I don't remember it though. Did you know if he was injured at all? I don't, I, don't, I don't think he was injured, but yeah, I, actually, I can't remember. I, I could look into it, but um, yeah, I know he, he was, he was a guy that just didn't do much last year. He was kind of a non-factor, but yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was because of injury. Yeah. I can't remember it, but it, but it just kind of blew my mind. Cause I was looking at, you know, his stats for this and he had a dip in stats his second year. And I was just like, wow, that's not what you expect. But the point is, this is the lowest his value will ever be probably, right? Like, like if the hype is true, if he is as talented as everyone thinks he is, if he is going to be as good as everyone thinks he's going to be, he's dirt cheap right now. So, you know, do it, spend a tiny bit and maybe get a guy that ends up being a, a great defensive tackle. So much like uh, Fadu Kasi in the uh, one before this, it, it's not going to cost you a lot. And if you strike big on a defensive tackle and these defensive tackle specific leagues, like, that's when in the lottery, we were talking about uh, Aaron Donald at the beginning of this, how important it is to be on those positions like defensive tackle where it drops off a cliff. You you need to be dominant like you can you can have decent linebackers and be a tackler two different away from your opponent each week and be fine. If they have Aaron Donald and you have no one, you're toast. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's yep. that's that's my buy for the Bills. My sell is Matt Milano. I might take a little crap for this because I, I saw, um, you know, some, some guys are into him. I got it. He's an unrestricted free agent right now, so I guess it depends what happens with that. 55.8 PFF. Uh, he could end up in a better situation, but if he returns, 
Will we continue to see the decreased playing time and therefore production? Yeah, part of that was injury. He was banged up, but even in the playoffs, he didn't return to his normal playing time, and A.J. Klein did a fine job. You know, it, it showed he was just human. Uh, he was just a guy, right? So, there, plus, with that offense, right, that offense took a gigantic step forward. They were on the field more often, scoring points more often, and if the offense is on the field, the defense is on the bench, and the defense can't score IDP points from the bench, right? So that that's you know another factor a lot of people don't look at in IDP is how good is the offense, right? What kind of offense is it? Is it a Chiefs offense that scores quickly, therefore the defense is back on the field, or is it a ball control offense, right? Like, but the Bills had a, had a pretty pretty solid offense, right? Like they're they they used to be God's gift to IDP because their offense was terrible. And their linebackers got all the tackles all the time. That's why London Fletcher was on so many of my championship teams back in the day. That's always been the Bills' M.O. It wasn't really like that last year. And I don't know if it's going to be like that with that offense being as good as it is. Uh, so I'm selling Matt Milano, uh, and I'm holding Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's not an unrestricted free agent till 2023. Only a 47.9 PFF, but he did miss some games. Um, he had some injury concerns, but he still put up 120 tackles which is four more than 2019 in fewer games, in fewer actual play games, more tackles. If he's healthy and on the field, the production's there, and it's it's really that simple for me. So I'm holding Edmonds. Uh, what do you think? I like it, yeah. And, um, yeah, just starting with your, with your buy of Ed Oliver, um, he, he didn't miss any games. Uh, it doesn't look like he played, he played every, every game this season. He just, he disappeared sometimes. Um, so Ed Oliver... And, and like you said, he he didn't have a great grade, but he did improve his pass rush grade. And like you said, he's still 23 years old, um, just three sacks this year. But I think I think like you said, like you can get him cheap. Everybody was kind of hyped on him into the draft, and I think this is kind of a make or break year for him. So if, if you can you, you can afford the gamble, I, I like it. I think you go for him. Uh, and then, yeah, Matt Milano, uh, like you said, he, he might be, he could be a free agent. He, he's a good linebacker, but who knows if he goes to a new system, uh, what can happen? Buffalo, we know, likes to kind of blitz their linebackers. Milano was decent at that, but um, it, it's never a guarantee that he'll he'll get that opportunity if he goes to another team. And and yeah, you mentioned the the Bills. Um, IDPs being like such a such a good uh like a kind of kind of a gold mine to 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 benefit from and and part of that too was I, I they had like this really generous stat crew oh yeah when yep. they played home games right so they would they would just assign assisted tackles to guys that clearly didn't deserve <laughs> them so it was like this little secret cheat code in in owning these uh Bills linebackers and I, I haven't noticed it to be as um, gratuitous like in, in recent years, but it, it's probably still there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that, man. That is like a dirty little IDP secret, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's it, cause yeah, mo- the people that know about it are they're, they're always looking to take advantage of it. And uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I noticed a long time ago and thought it was really funny. So it's, it's funny that you brought that up. Um and yeah, Tremaine Edmonds, you mentioned the grade. It was 40, 47.9, I think you said it was. And and yeah, so nothing nothing amazing, obviously. He's he's kind of been like this fairly unspectacular linebacker since he's been drafted, but he gets tackles. Um he he's he's on the field pretty much every snap, and and that's that's kind of what you want from your your IDP linebackers, right? And he's still another guy that's really young and uh 
he's he's gotten over a hundred tackles all three years that he's been in the league. So so I like I like the hold there for for Tremaine Edmonds for sure. Nice. All right. So moving on to the New England Patriots. Um, I appreciate you giving me Miami and New England. Like you said, the the teams with the <laughs> with the defensive players that nobody can trust, basically. So um, but my buy out of this out of this New England team is gonna be Kyle Duggar. And and I don't think there's really any other Patriot IDP that I'd want more than Duggar at this point, especially for Dynasty. Uh he, he's this versatile kind of uh, safety. He he was a second round pick out of Lenore Ryan of all places. Uh and and I think he's still going to be relatively cheap in Dynasty. Like he he didn't really come on until a little bit later in the year. And he, and even then he was still playing behind Adrian Phillips um and and maybe wasn't as known to, to most IDP uh, players so he he probably ends up being a player that you benefit from from acquiring maybe more the season after this one since you, you got guys like Patrick Chung is coming back from from opt-out and Adrian Phillips is supposed to be back again this season so there's a little bit more competition there at the position but I think Duggar is the is the long-term answer there as the as the box safety slash LB2 in New England. So that's that's where I would go. I'd probably buy Duggar. And then I would sell Jawan Bentley. Uh, Bentley, he got his shot to start thanks to some opt-outs in New England, including Dante Hightower. Uh, it, it wasn't a great year great year for him grade-wise. He finished with a 53.2 overall, which included like a 47.1 in run defense, which was outside of the top 100 linebackers. So not great. Uh, he, he's, an, he's a guy that hasn't really done anything, didn't do anything special that would make you think that he's going to keep that job with Hightower back. I know Belichick really likes Hightower. So I think he probably comes back and, uh, and, and cuts out uh, a, Bentley's role a little bit, especially in Belichick's more tra- like one traditional linebacker scheme. He, he usually is running one guy out there and then running an Adrian Phillips or somebody like that as the second linebacker. Um, and that, and that makes Adrian Phillips my hold as well. So Adrian Phillips, basically the reason, one of the reasons that Bentley's role could be downsized uh, and Phillips essentially played that LB two role all year in new England. He's, he's listed as a safety, but he's very much uh, a, a safety in name only. He, he played more off ball linebacker snaps than any other safety uh, in the NFL last season. And 63% of his snaps came in the box. So, um, he, he's a bit of an older player, but he played he played well this year, and I think that that role that he has as that LB two is kind of the key to his IDP success. So I like him. I, I think you just kind of hold him for another year if he's going to be playing that role, and and you just uh, you just watch the the tackle numbers rise, and and hopefully he gets you some some decent fantasy games out of it. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And uh, yeah, I do apologize for sticking you with these guys because it's you know I don't know like week five or six last year I was looking at this team and I'm like legitimately I would only I mean Bentley might not even have been really even playing by this point but I really would have only rostered Bentley Gilmore Winovich and that was before the Chase Winovich shenanigans which I'm sure you remember right um, 
but you know, any one of these guys could get Winoviched. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it, he could be playing well, it could be putting up numbers, and then all of a sudden they disappear off the face of the earth because the offense that came to town that week does something a tiny bit different. So Belichick switches up everything to give him something new to look at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I had to go, you know, with with an order, that's the order I would go with. Um, yeah, Duggar long term. Uh, sell Bentley while you still can and hold Phillips. Uh, definitely agree with that. Sweet. All right. That is the AFC East. So we'll head West AFC West and we'll do the Denver Broncos. All righty. Denver Broncos. Okay. So my buy on the Broncos is Kareem Jackson as a corner, as a corner, because he's, he's is listed as a safety some places and obviously a defensive back and sleeper. Um, but as a corner, you're looking at, I think, more, at least half or more than half his games were like double digits in most scoring formats. Uh, it's, it is the last year of his deal. He has an 80.4 PFF, though, which is decent. Last three years, 89 combined tackles, 71 combined tackles, 87 combined tackles, and not yet, yeah, nine double digit uh, tackle um, or, or fantasy point games, excuse me, in 2020. Uh, and at corner, that's awesome. That's great. Like, they, you usually, I don't, I don't sit and forget corners unless it's like Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, or uh, I don't know, Kenny Moore sometimes. Like, there are guys that you're capable of setting and forgetting. Malcolm Butler, um, you know, who was it the year before on the Titans there? Uh, not a Dory Jackson, uh, the Giants. Logan Ryan. Thank you, Logan Ryan. Yeah, so it happens. It happens occasionally. But for the most part, if you want to be successful at corner, you got to like stream. You got to stream based on matchup and what looks good and, and just hope you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kareem Jackson is close to being a set and forget corner if you can get him as a corner. Uh, and Yahoo has him dual designated right now. So that's good stuff. I would buy him. Um, I would sell Edison. Uh He is a restricted free agent. We'll see what happens there. 65.4 PFF, 124 combined tackles. That's pretty nice. But it, it's warm body, you know, uh, easily replaceable production. He's just a guy. Nothing special. Uh, you can find something similar just by paying attention. Uh, and my hold would be Justin Simmons, my, my favorite IDP on this squad by far. Um, I thought about Bradley Chubb for this. I like him too. But, you know, it really depends on your league if you're going to use those outside linebacker guys. Um, that's not an every league thing. Um, but Simmons is an every league thing, right? It's safety. Uh, he did get tagged. He's got a 77.4 PFF. Um, he's He had, in the last three years, 96 combined tackles, 93 combined tackles, 97 combined tackles. Always undervalued and available. It's, it's safety one production, and a lot of people don't really think about him as a safety one. Um, you know, before this year, he was like Jordan Poyer, right? Like, it, you get that production without having to pay for it. So I, I love Justin Simmons. He's uh, one of my sa- favorite safeties. Yeah, me too. He's he's been a great player. Um, I'm, you know, he got the franchise tag this year, which I, I guess that was kind of expected. But it's always nice when when you can get a guy that stays on their team as well. Like, doesn't have to go to a new system or anything like that. You just kind of trust it a little bit more. Um, and yeah, he's been our highest graded safety since 2019. He between those two years combined, uh, 2019 and 2020, is a 90.5 PFF grade. And the guy hasn't missed a snap in three seasons. That's which, right. 
absurd. Yes. <laughs> He's the only defensive player to do that. It's it's a crazy streak, and I, and yeah, you gotta love that. I mean, I, d- dude, I remember that because it was like two seasons ago or three. It was like Miles, Jack, Malcolm Jenkins, Justin Simmons. Then it was Justin Simmons again, and then it was Justin Simmons again. Yeah. Like, yeah, he he doesn't miss playing time ever. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Like, considering how physical of a sport football is, like, it's just the, an unbelievable streak. I hope he keeps it going because, yeah, it's a fun one to kind of monitor for sure. Um, and yeah, I like the sell. I like the sell of Alexander Johnson. Uh, you know, he he's. I think he's an RFA. We'll see what happens with him in free agency if he leaves. But he's 30 years old right now. He's not guaranteed a starting job anywhere else. Um, and, and the interesting thing about him, too, is he led all the off-ball linebackers in pass rush snaps last year with 145. So uh, he only managed one sack and 16 pressures on those 145 pass rush snaps. So very inefficient as a linebacker. Yeah. If you can, if you can move them, I I think you do it. And, uh, and, and then the buy too, Kareem Jackson. Yeah. If he's listed as a corner, a hundred percent, you, you buy him uh, to, because you're getting that safety production. And I know we, we, we track um, like our, our wins above replacement metric. And since 2019 between, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, they're, they're the number one safety duo atop that, uh, that war metric, which, which I thought was pretty interesting. They've he's, you know, he's 32 years old, but the guy's still playing at a, a pretty high level. He he's had the only safety over the last two years as well to finish with an overall PFF grade above 80. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And that's it, that's that's such, such an important thing, right? Like, because IDP is still a little bit of the of the wild west, right? Like, a lot of these sites don't put as much into IDP as they do offense in terms of accuracy and keeping track of things. So when you notice something like that, like like oh, Kareem Jackson, you should be a safety, but he's listed. Take advantage of that. Yeah. My my God, take advantage of that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's like sleeper when they put, um, I was having a conversation about it this week on Twitter. They have, or they had, um, Foye Aluakon as a defensive back and a linebacker. Right. And then another one was Nicholas Morrow was also listed as a defensive back, the, the linebacker for the Raiders. So, I mean, those are cheat codes that are basically a, a glitch in the matrix that you just got to take advantage of until they fix it. Um, you know, a, anybody can take advantage of it. So why not you? Um, and yeah, the same thing with, with the safeties that are listed as, as corners. Absolutely. All right. So going on to the Kansas city chiefs, uh, my buy is Willie Gay jr. And okay. So I, I, <laughs> I might rant a little bit here, so I apologize. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl because they didn't play Willie Gay enough, but I'm also not not saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no, but seriously, their, their linebackers were – they were cheeks in 2020. They were not good. Uh, so the names that they were throwing out there – and this is going to be in descending order from their PFF grade. So got other linebackers aside from Willie Gay that played this year on the Chiefs. Dorian O'Daniel. Damian Wilson, Anthony Hitchens, Ben Neiman, Omari Cobb, and Darius Harris. So 
Hitchens, who you would think is maybe their best linebacker because he's paid the most and he plays the most. He was actually the worst graded starter on the team with a 49.8 grade. And you know who graded better than all of them? It was Willie Gay. (laughs) And you know who led all NFL linebackers in forced incompletion percentage last season? It was Willie Gay. The guy is clearly... The, the the best choice for linebacker on the team, but they refused to put him out there even when most of their starters were down and it was down to Willie Gay and Darius Harris. They still gave Darius Harris more work than, than poor Willie Gay. I, I think he deserves a starting shot. I mean, if you if you have somebody that owns him on their roster right now, I, I think you try to go out and buy him because he he needs to be on the field more in 2021. And I I think all signs point to that being the case, especially with Ben Neiman and and Damian Wilson, guys like that set to become free agents. So that, that that's where I'm going then. And yeah, it it, Willie Gay was a frustrating one because he, the linebackers for the chiefs were just awful last year. Uh, my cell is going to be Frank Clark. Um, I think Frank Clark kind of has this perception about him that he's still a good player. Maybe, you know, because he got traded for a first round pick, uh, maybe because he's the only edge rusher on the chiefs of note, but he really hasn't been all that great since joining Kansas city. He, he'll get the occasional sack. He doesn't really have any huge games though. And he gets a lot of nothing in between. So doesn't even manage a lot of tackles. I, I find with, with Frank Clark and his 89 pressures over the last two years are fine. But what we we've noticed is that like 34% of them we've classified as these cleanup pressures. So that means that there's, likely another pass rusher that's causing the initial pressure, forcing the quarterback off his spot and more into Frank Clark's lane, his pass rush lane, which allows him to disrupt the quarterback's rhythm as well. So he'll get credit for a pressure, but it's not, you know, a higher graded pressure and and we'll classify that as cleanup when we're doing uh, the analysis and, and the grading of the game. So 34% of them is a pretty high mark. Um, his sacks and his pressure numbers since 20, 2019, since joining the Chiefs, are outside of the top 25 at his position. Uh, his 60.4 pass rush grade is 112th at his position, at his position, which uh, and that's a minimum of 100 snaps as well. I, I think you sell him off his name. You get yourself out of the Frank Clark game as soon as possible. I, I don't think uh, he's been. A, as good of a linebacker or good of a defensive end as most people uh, think he has been. And then my hold is going to be Chris Jones, the defensive tackle. I'll I'll keep it short. I spent a lot of time on on Willie Gay and and Frank Clark. So uh, he's still just 26 years old. He's still an elite rush pass rusher from the interior. He's graded above a 90 as a pass rusher in each of the last three seasons. He's one of those rare talents at defensive tackle, and that's especially hard to come by in IDP, especially defensive tackle required leagues, like you say. So, yeah, he's a guy that it's going to take a lot for me to move him, just being such a rare talent at his position. 100% man it's like him Buckner Donald and you know there's some guys that are like close ish like I think Jeffrey Simmons is getting there but after that it, it drops off a cliff it drops off a cliff so fast so yep. if you don't if you don't get one of those guys you're toast yeah yep definitely love it I agree 100% I'm Willie Gay um I got 
more than a few shares just waiting for it to happen. Because, yeah, I mean, Hitchens was was decent for IDP production. He's never been decent. He was decent for IDP production on the Cowboys days and early, early in Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, Ben Neiman, oh, my God, uh, you know, all, all those guys. So terrible. So terrible. Um, and who? Oh, uh, Frank Clark. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think a lot of people just remember. I, I remember the Seattle days. Right. right so I'm right. I, I'm guilty of that, too. I had a lot of Frank Clark last year just based off of the Super Bowl run in the playoffs, him and Chris Jones doing damage and then uh, his Seattle years. Um, so I need I need to adjust as well. hundred percent. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of been coasting off of those <laughs> those Seattle days for a little bit. He, he just yeah, he just hasn't done a lot. I mean, he had he had a couple okay games in the playoffs this year as well, but like in season if you're you're starting him every week, like he's he probably leads to more frustration than than he's worth at this point I find. So, yeah, that that that's the only reason I'm selling him. I, I don't think he's, you know, an elite option at his position. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I and uh, just quick note, I love the the pressure <clears throat> categories. That's really cool. I didn't know you guys did that. That is, uh, we're gonna have to pick your brain about that when you come on our show. So be be prepared. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Yeah, we got a few different pressure categories, and unblocked pressures is another one. Pursuit pressures, um, but yeah, those cleanup pressures are they're they're like a misleading pressure, right? Because you assume that you know you're you're just the guy's winning his block and, and affecting the quarterback right away. But in, in reality, you know, there, there's not all pressures are created equal basically. Yeah. hundred percent. I do have a question for you. What do you think is going to happen with Daniel Sorensen? Do they, do they change up in, and do something different? He was doing like that Joker hybrid safety role, like last year. Do you think he's, he keeps doing that or what do you think they do next year? Yeah. So I, I think he's a free agent. Um, that was the, yeah, I think that was the only thing with with Sorensen was I wasn't sure if they were going to re-sign him. Um, but yeah, like you said, he was he was decent. He was actually good IDP. I mean, he's not like a great NFL player necessarily, but I, I think for IDP purposes, he he really was kind of this under the radar guy um, that you didn't really know about unless you had him. And I I just I think he's a free agent, so I don't know what the plan is for for Kansas City. Um, to, yeah, to I didn't, yeah, I didn't even check. <clears throat> no idea. He could be. He could be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know for sure. I can look at it um, really quick and see what's over the cap has him set to be here. But yeah, he's so he's an unrestricted free agent in 2021. So, um, so this year, so he. We'll see what happens if he hits the open market. I don't know what his market would be. That's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, he was decent. He was a decent IDP in in Kansas City this year. That's for sure. Yeah, he, he was one of those like uh, third safety guys that uh, you know hit the waiver wire and can can be good. You know, if if you get him on the right week. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I love those though. I I I am with you across the board on that. That is good stuff. Awesome. All right, so let's move to Vegas and cover the Raiders. All right, Raiders. They they've got an interesting defense as well. Um, some some nice pieces. Uh, so my buy is interesting. I'm gonna buy, uh, Damon Arnett, cornerback. Uh, round one, pick 19, 2019. Uh, so he's been injured a lot. Draft capital is BFF score score is crap. It's 29. Um, or excuse me. Uh, it's 41.7. That's you know, still not great, but it's better than 29. 
He had uh, 29 combined tackles last year, but he missed a lot of games. And and here's here's what I saw. I saw a guy that got picked on a lot, and because he has high draft capital, they're going to just live with it and keep playing him. And that's exactly what you want if you're rolling about rolling out uh, a corner that you're going to stream in an ideal situation, right? Someone that's not Jair Alexander, who's never going to get thrown at, but, you know, not someone that's so terrible they're going to lose their job midway through the second quarter and you're only getting, you know, 30% of snaps out of them for the game, right? Like, you want that nice middle ground. And I, I think that's where he's trending, at least until we see if he's actually worth that draft capital and can be, like, a really good corner. Um, so that that's what makes corner tough. But I think he's in that sweet spot. So I, I would buy Demon Arnett. And he's going to cost nothing because he's a corner and no one cares about corner. Um <laughs> My cell is Corey Littleton, uh, second year of the New Deal, 47.1 PFF. Did have 82 combined tackles. Uh, obviously, the new role is far different than the Rams role. Uh, Kwiatkowski and Morrow were, were better um, IDP-wise. Uh, I would just wait for a bump than sell because, I mean, there were really no points last year that he was playable except in, like, the craziest and dumbest and deepest of leagues. Um, although, if you... If it was like a deep dynasty league and you wanted to hold and see what happens, I could, I could see that too. But I mean, it just, it, you know, we're, we're different, right? Cause we look at this crap every week. We have to write articles on it. We have to do podcasts on it. We don't want to sound like idiots. So, so we're always looking at stuff. So I, I know I can get a better deal than Corey Littleton just, just by paying attention and looking at waivers at week seven during the season. Right. But, but for your average guy that doesn't want to do that much i get it if you want to hang on to littleton and see if he can regain that form i i'm with you but uh, i would sell him. um and my hold would be jonathan abram uh third year of rookie deal 35.9 pff that kind of shocked me how low it was i thought it was higher um he did have 86 combined tackles he's been off he's uh he's been injured a lot and he didn't really he didn't have a real rookie season so there's a lot of wait and see potential, but I mean, Mike Willard sold on him. He thinks he's going to be a safety one. And I've seen flashes of that in that production. And, you know, I, I think it's worth a stab. I, I, I think when he's healthy and we've seen him play there, there are flashes of that. So I'd, I'd like to see if he can do it. Yeah, for sure. And that, yeah, I had, I had the same hold as you um, with Jonathan Abram and yeah, Mike, Mike, he said he's planting his flag. He's calling Jonathan Abram his safety one. Uh, I think a lot of it's based in, in uh, like Gus Bradley coming in and, and running that uh, one high safety system with, with Abram coming down and playing more in the box. Um, and, and I guess hoping that he plays maybe that Derwin James role. The, the thing with, yeah, with, with Abram that, that worries me is just, he's been so, so bad. He was our worst graded safety overall last year. And he was the, had the worst coverage grade as well uh, with like a 30.1. So he was so bad that the part that concerns me basically is that he, he, if he doesn't clean that stuff up is that he might not be on the field for very long. Right. He, he had a lot of missed tackles as well. Um, but I, I do, I get it. I definitely get the the safety one call. I think he can be in that range. Um, he, he's going to be able to fly downhill a lot more in the box and and uh, and rack up tackles. The the Raiders defense has a lot of holes in it as well. So um, I think it's a good spot for for Abram to to kind of produce. So yeah, so I like it. Um, I like the call by Mike as well. So it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he does in, in a in a new defensive system. Um, 
And then, yeah, Corey Littleton, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't good. I mean, and then Nicholas Morrow was set to become a free agent as well, but it sounds like the Raiders are, are trying to re-sign him, which is going to hurt Littleton's value even more, right? Little, uh, Morrow played better than Littleton last year across the board, so I, I think that that can kind of eat into Littleton's production a little bit more, especially even with, with Kwiatkowski there. So, yeah, if you can sell Corey Littleton, I, I, I'm all for it. I think you, you, you got to. And he was really good with the Rams, but just did not live up to his signing when he when he came to las vegas so and yeah the arnett one too uh, damon arnett as a buy is is interesting i i think you're you make a good point too with these these cornerbacks that offenses are aware of the weak points in, in 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 your defense and they will attack these guys that they know they can take advantage of and and if he's getting a lot of targets which leads to a lot of tackles you you, you got to love that so um yeah it's an interesting one i like it uh, damon arnett is a buy yeah definitely man and you make a good point on the abram stuff too because a lot of people don't think about that right they think of the name value the draft capital uh the production uh, I, I got news for people that do that. Uh, guys like LVE, Jalen Smith, and Zach Cunningham had pretty terrible PFF grades at, at many points last year, too. And just because they have big names doesn't mean they won't lose their job at some point. Like, like dynasty-wise, you need to pay attention to that stuff. For sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's key for dynasty, right? Like just because a guy was drafted in the first round doesn't mean he's guaranteed a, a starting spot at any point, right? So even Isaiah Simmons this year, right? He he was drafted eighth overall, and he barely saw the field uh, in his rookie year, and that that wasn't necessarily his fault as much as like somebody like um, like a Darren Lee, for example, or or a Stephon Anthony. Those guys that those linebackers that were drafted in the first round, you know, just a few years ago, that were so terrible that they're not even on teams anymore. Um, so it's something to be aware of, I think, for for long term value. And and yeah, Jonathan Abram, he he was so bad this year that that <laughs> that's what concerns me. It's just he was he was a, an actual liability whenever he was on the field. Um, so hopefully he can clean that up because yeah, I think I think the the IDP opportunity is definitely there for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so moving to the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, this one. For me, I'm buying Derwin James. I maybe I'm too much of a Derwin James stan. I, I don't know. You, you, you'll see the podcast art. He's front and center on it. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite players in the league, and and I think honestly he's one of the best players in the league as well. Just based on his his rookie year, everything that he can do. Unfortunately, the injuries have kept him from us. Um, I, I'm not too much of a, a believer in the injury prone label. So I'm willing to try and acquire Derwin James where I don't already have him, which isn't many places at this point. So uh, I think unlike Abram, Derwin James really does do everything well. Um, he, he's a versatile player as versatile a player as they come in the NFL. And honestly, at, at this point, if he doesn't get to play at least 90% of the season, I, I might just rage quit forever. We'll see. <laughs> Because yeah, even even the the highlights in in training camp last year, where he was covering Keenan Allen one on one and literally sticking to him, and and breaking up passes, it just got me excited. And then he was they they covered him in hard knocks as well, and then we didn't get to see him. It was heartbreaking. So this this is 
it, it has to be the year that we get Derwin James back on the field and get a reminder of just how good of a player he is. Um, and and the, the buy opportunity comes from owners that are probably frustrated in not getting to use them over the past couple of years. So you can you can probably buy him for, for a cheaper price than than what he's likely worth. And my sell is going to be Kaiser White uh, for the Chargers. So the Chargers have just three linebackers under contract heading into this offseason. White is one of them, along with Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. Uh, the thing with the Chargers, they, they so they hired Brandon Staley, uh, who utilized a, like a, more of a dime package when he was with the Rams which is just one linebacker. Um, he, he did so at a rate that was among the top seven or eight teams in the league um, when he was with the Rams. I expect him to, to kind of bring that system over. And the Chargers did it already anyways, uh, even before um, they brought Brandon Staley in was the one linebacker system. So Mur- Kenneth Murray seems to be the guy locked into that role right now. I don't think that's going to change. So... <laughs> It's likely going to be between Kaiser White and Drew Drew Tranquil for those secondary linebacker duties. And the Chargers have kind of shown some favor to Tranquil in the past. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field and and stay healthy. So uh, I think maybe Tranquil gets kind of the... a bit of a head start on, on Kaiser White for that role. But we'll see. That's just speculating, obviously. Uh, And you know, Kaiser White's had some nice games when he's out there. So I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a a price tag that you can sell him for. And, and either way, I I just don't think it'll be enough of a role in season that he'll be worth, uh, worth holding on to, especially with Derwin James, not going to miss a single snap this year. Um, (laughs) It's going to play a part. So uh, I don't expect the huge IDP impact from Kaiser White minus him filling in for somebody due to injuries or something like that. And uh, then my hold is going to be Joey Bosa. So Joey Bosa, a lot of people were frustrated with him this year. And honestly, we, we know this fantasy managers, they can be a fickle bunch. Um, and they were, people were unhappy with Joey Bosa and his, he had seven and a half sacks uh, in, in 2020, but three of them came in week 12. Um, and the rest of the season was just kind of good and maybe not great from a box score perspective. But Joey Bosa is one of the elite players at, at the defensive end position. He's only only Khalil Mack actually had a higher pass rush grade than him last season. Uh, Bosa finished with a 90.5 pass rush grade. He had an 18.6% pressure rate, which was third among edge defenders with a minimum of 25 snaps. And his pass rush win rate was a 23.5%, which was second among edge defenders with a minimum 25 25 snaps. So he's very much a lead at the position. Yeah, he didn't hit the double-digit sacks, but I guarantee you it's not something to panic on. He will be back to, you know, putting up more more than just one monster game very soon. Um, so, yeah, so that those are my, my, my buy sell holds for the chargers. Yeah. I love it, man. hundred percent. And, and sacks are not a predictable stat. That's, right. that, that's why I don't play outside linebackers in my regular linebacker slot. Cause I'd rather rely on tackles and score points every week, not just some weeks. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of people that say Bosa had a bad year because Ingram fell off, but there's there's no correlation between that. There's actually a good Twitter follow, Utah EC, that did a whole bunch of uh, data and statistics on this that showed that that's just like a wives' tale. That's an old IDP wives' tale. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not a thing. Having one great end does that mean it helps the other great end? Um, which I always thought that coming up back in the day. So. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. But what, what Bosa does have is the talent, the opportunity, and the stability. And you just talked about, you know, all the factors he's really good at and all, and all the metrics. Like, it, they'll, they'll happen. They'll get there. Yep. Yeah, so I'm not worried about him. Good call there. Uh, Derwin James was my safety one going into last year, so I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. It's, the injury guys are just messing with us, but we've seen this before, right? Like, this was a Keanu Neal thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it on the offensive side, you know, for all, all, all throughout the history of the league. You know, I, I remember I wouldn't, there was a point in time I wouldn't, uh, draft Keenan Allen cause he got beat up so much. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and look at him now he's had, you know, a few years in a row of excellent production and, and he's fine. So it's just, it's random. You know what I mean? Like all you can do with that stuff is when it happens, adjust the best you can and keep going because you have no control over it. It is what it is. Yep. For sure. So I'm, I'm with you. I think he's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I think if he gets back on the field, I think people are going to quickly remember like, oh yeah, this guy is, he should be safety one or, you know, right up there with Jamal Adams and, and guys like that Buda Baker, because yeah, he just does everything well. I just want to see him, see him get out there. So, um, hundred percent, man. And just real quick on white. So yeah, last year, dude. So he's just another guy. And last year was such a circus for this Chargers linebacker court. Like trying to figure it out every week was like mind grain inducing. Uh, And that includes Kenneth Murray. There was that week last or, Mm -hmm. you know, week or two last year where he just had his snaps pulled out from under him due to, I think it was a communication issue. You remember that? Right. right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, no one is immune to their, to their BS, Uh, so especially cause you're white. So you can, you can go ahead and sell him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So that, that wraps the AFC West. We will move on to the AFC North and the Baltimore Ravens. Alrighty. This, this team, uh, has a few really good pieces and then has some question marks. Uh, my body, even though he's, you know, one of the few set in three corners. So he's probably one of the guys that actually will be drafted a little higher in startups. Um, you know, in, in terms of corner, he's worth it, right? Like he's really good. Last two seasons, 82 combined tackles, 65 the year before he gets all the other stuff. He gets picks, he gets pass defenses. You know, he'll return the occasional pick to the house, um, just signed a new deal, 76.1 PFF score, which is, you know, just under being too good to be thrown at. So it's right in that sweet spot. Uh, He's going to get thrown at, but he's also extremely good. Um, And yeah, I mean, he's a set and forget guy. Like if if you don't want to go through all the bother of researching the best corner matchups every week. Just draft Marlon Humphrey and start him every week. You'll be fine more often than not, and and that's uh, pretty decent for corner. Um, my cell is Matt Judon, although who knows? I, I think he's gone after reading the stuff today, so I don't think it matters. But um, you know, he's he's a under UFA fifty nine point four PFF fifty one tackles six sacks last year. The thing I saw was mass, massive fluctuations in playing time nosedive in playing time, especially when Ngakwe and Campbell were both healthy, but it looks like Ngakwe and Judon, Judon are going bye-bye. So 
Yeah, this kind of works itself out. Um, you know, it's it's he just wasn't needed as much for the pass rush when they added uh Ngakwe and Campbell, and it showed. Like mm-hmm. like he, he was their whole pass rush the year before. Uh not so much last year. Um so I mean, you know, and, and guys like this, these outside linebacker edge guys, I, unless you're in a like a big play league and and you can afford to mess around with something like this, he's just useless, right? Like he's classified as a linebacker. I would rather get Tyrell Adams for nothing and get eight to 10 tackles a week that I know I'm going to get every single week uh, instead of mess around with Matt Judon and hope I get a sack. You know what I mean? Like that's just crazy. So I, I see no value for him whatsoever. So I'm good. Sell him if you can and hold would be Patrick queen, obviously uh, second year player. His PFF was low. Actually. I couldn't believe that 29.8. That's kind of mind blowing. Um, but 100, 106 combined tackles. He's still developing. Um, you know, not not bad numbers at all for a defense that really hasn't had quote the guy in a long time. Like you know, they that's just not their style as a defense. Their production's very spread around. They don't they don't have like one guy that that gets all the production. Um, you know, there are different names at the top of the box score every week. Uh, with even with all that said, that's really nice rookie year numbers. You know, 106 combined tackles plus some trimmings. Uh, you know, he, he obviously has the draft capital. Um, looks like he's super talented. So I would just hold him and uh, see what we get out of him. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it's a good call. Um, yeah, Patrick Queen. I, I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard to sell him, right? That's that's the thing. He's still young. He was a first round rookie linebacker last year and and i think with the pff grade yeah it was it was not great um but I, a lot of it came he led he, well he tied for the league lead in missed tackles with zach cunningham so um it was 22 missed tackles on the year so not great there but you know also too like with these with these rookies um I think 2020, we could kind of, and, and and Mike mentioned this last year too, we could kind of consider it almost like a, like a redshirt year where, you know, because of COVID and not getting the full off season um, programs and things like that, that it, it can definitely affect their development, right? Especially if they don't get, you know, if they're being thrown into playing time right away, like Patrick Queen was, it, it's hard to kind of hit the ground running and uh, not many players were able to do it. So yeah, I'm okay with holding Queen. I, I don't think you panic on on him because of his PFF grade, anything like that, or the missed tackles. That'll clean itself up. And like you say, you, you know, the Baltimore defense, it does spread its um, production around a lot for IDP, but uh, Queen will be out there. He's he's a young player, and I, I think he's he's going to be a good one for, for a few more years. Uh and then, yeah, selling Matthew Judon, I, I'm completely okay with that. I, I mean, even in leagues where he's classified classified as an edge rusher, like you said, he's probably going to a new system next year. Baltimore is one of the better systems you can get as far as being able to rush from the edge because the opportunity was there. But then once they brought in Ngakwe, it, it started to disappear. And I think that kind of tells you, too, a little bit about um, – Matthew Judon as an NFL player because Ngakwe is good. He's, he's a good pass rusher, uh, but he's not exactly a run defender uh, in any kind of way. So, you know, if he's eating into your snaps, then your value, you can kind of see it dipping a little bit with Judon. Uh, And then, yeah, buying Marlon Humphreys is is a good one. I like the call. He was, 
he's had the second most forced fumbles in a season since 2006 behind only Charles Peanut Tillman. So pretty good company to be in there. Uh, he's obviously got a nose for the ball. He can, he can do those kinds of things. Uh, you know, as much as it might not be one of those more stable stats, it's nice. Like you said, the guy's out there every snap and uh, he's going to make plays and he's a good tackler as well. Nice. All right. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, and this is my favorite team. It was, it's Mike Woolard's favorite team who was on last week. And I did ask him last week at the end of the episode too, since he's a fellow Browns fan who, who he would be interested in buying as an IDP uh, this off season on the Browns. And we were in a hundred percent agreement. It's Jacob Phillips uh, linebacker out of LSU didn't get a lot of playing time this year, but the Browns linebacker options, much like the chiefs were not very good. Uh, you know, they had guys like BJ Goodson, Malcolm Smith, Sione Taki Taki, Mac Wilson, just guys that were I'll just say they weren't good. Okay. As a Browns fan, I try to say it without getting upset. Um, but <laughs> they, they, though, between BJ Goodson and Malcolm Smith, they were kind of the snap leaders for the Browns, but they're set to become free agents. So that leaves Jacob Phillips, it leaves Sione Taki Taki, and it leaves Mac Wilson. And Mac Wilson is definitely not good. This was evident in his rookie year uh, for how he played. And it was, you know, I think the coaching staff realizes that as well, which is why he didn't get much of a workload this past year. Taki Taki's fine. He, he finished the year with a 67.5 PFF grade, but probably not the long-term answer there. We'll see. Um, but I did like the way Phillips flashed in, in his limited plays. I think a full off-season program for him. He's in a great spot to earn a starting role, even if the Browns maybe draft a linebacker in the first round this year. I think Phillips is in a is in a good spot and uh, a name that that a lot of people might not be familiar with, but could be a nice buy low option heading into this season. Uh, and then, yeah, selling. I am selling Mac Wilson. Uh, I touched on it a little bit. He's not good. Uh, he's had back-to-back seasons with grades in the 40s. Uh, he got downgraded to a part-time role in 2020 after a pretty rough rookie season. He, he was hurt a little bit, but even when he came back healthy, he just he, they weren't starting him. He was just playing a limited role. Uh, I think there's people that play IDP that kind of remember him as in his rookie year being, you know, a, a decent IDP. But if those people are out there and they think that Mac Wilson is still a starter somehow, I think those are the people that you're trading him to because it's, it's just not the case. You, you try to get what you can for him because yeah, I don't, I don't like him. I don't think he's a good linebacker and uh, yeah, I will, I'll stop being harsh about Mac Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> And then my hold is Miles Garrett. I, I think it's a pretty easy one. I think before before Garrett got the got the coronavirus, uh, he was on pace to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Uh, he was tied with Aaron Donald with nine sacks through the first half of the year. Then he had that bye week. He got the COVID, uh, and he struggled to kind of get back to form. And he even admitted it himself that that COVID you know kicked his butt, quote unquote, um, and and was partially to blame for that. So he he was he, he obviously like i said in the defensive player of the year conversation but after that it, it kind of slipped a little bit 
Uh, he was good enough to get a garbage ta- time sack on Sunday night football in week 15, however, to knock me out of the playoffs in my main league. So shout out Christian Depoche and the Gridiron Goons for that. Uh, but that's besides the point. He <laughs> he finished the year with a 90.1 pass rush grade, and I think he'll very much be in the defensive player of the year conversation again in 2021. It's it's a realistic goal that he's set for himself, and I'm holding out hopes that he gets there. Awesome, man. Love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I still got Garrett as like my DE1. I mean, yeah, Chase, Chase Young certainly showed us he's capable of that. Um, you know, Nick Bosa went healthy, could be capable of that. They, you know, Daniil Hunter, we don't know what he's going to look like coming back. But I mean, the fewest questions and and the best outcome is Garrett for me. Um, you know, he's the guy. He, he was averaging like a sack a game before yeah. COVID. Yeah. yeah. So I'm with you. Um yeah, I agree on everything else. Nothing special at the linebacker core at all. Uh, I do have a question for you, though. So one of my um, <clears throat> longtime readers and good friend on Twitter at Fantasy Ray G was hitting me up yesterday and he said, hey, man, I'm going to start up. What do you think about Grant Delpit? I feel like he's fallen under the radar. Not a lot of people are talking about him. We obviously didn't get to see him this season, but, you know, like what? this is a startup. This is way late. Like, do you think this could be a great safety option? And I don't know enough about him to like really give an informed opinion. I just said, dude, take the stab, take the shot in the dark. I mean, it's safety. If it goes wrong, you'll be able to find someone by week four, but you know, give it a shot. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? You you take a shot on him. I I mean, they drafted him in the second round. He he was a good, decent player out of LSU. He struggled with missed tackles and things like that. But uh, the the starters last year, or some of them were were Carl Joseph and uh, Anderson Deho. So they're both set to hit free agency, I believe. So it's basically going to be Delpit and... uh, Oh God, what's his name? Uh, Ronnie Harrison at, uh, at safety. So I think because of Ronnie Harrison, he's a, maybe a little bit more of a free safety type can, can play a little bit more in that role with Del Pitt playing a little bit down in the box. I think that helps his IDP uh, outlook as well. So I, I just acquired um, Del Pitt as well. I'm, I'm getting him late in startups or, or, buying them low but i think yeah i think the the idp upside is there for him this year for sure yeah his his uh draft positioning in upside reminds me of winfield uh junior last year mm-hmm. you know just crazy late and could be really good yeah 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 and it definitely forgotten about right because of the injury he missed the entire year so he you could kind of sneak in get him there late in in a startup or you know just throw an offer out for him for cheap and i think yeah delpit can be had and he could pay off nicely if he gets if he does play that box safety role which i think he's probably the favorite for this year nice all right let's head to cincinnati the bengals Okie dokie, Bengals. Uh, one of my more favorite IDP teams, just because before their last uh, their quarterback acquisition there this last year, they were just so awful on offense. They were on defense all the time. So they were like an IDP point goldmine. Um, you know, obviously that's not as good with Burrow there, but still there are some good options here. My buy is Sam Hubbard. Um, this would be a hold too, either way. But Sam Hubbard, he is on the last year of his deal, so we'll have to see what happens after that. But he has a 68 PFF, and he's led all defensive uh, ends in combined tackles the last two seasons in a row, including last year with 62 missing several games, 76 the year before. Sacks are an inconsistent and unreliable statistic. 
tackles or not. If you have the league leader in tackles at defensive end on your team, that is a weekly floor of about five tackles a game that you're getting that no one else is. So if you get that automatically and then he gets a sack, you're beautiful. You're looking great. Um, that's just something you don't see in defensive ta- in uh, defensive ends. You know, like it's usually you get a sack or you're screwed. It's like, it's like a zero or, or a 15 or a 12. You know what I mean? So that's what I love about Sam Hubbard. Um, my cell is Von Bell. Uh, so this is year two of three for the deal. He's a 71.5 PFF. He did have 113 combined tackles, which is awesome for safety. Uh, 89 the year before. He's very solid. However, that linebacker core will become a thing at some point. And at that point, I'd rather have Jesse Bates and not Von Bell. So I'd sell high while you can, right? So if he's coming off 113 tackles, sell him while you can. Because safety is almost as easy as linebacker to get off of waivers. So you can sell him, find someone comparable, and profit, right? It's like that South Park episode, you know, step one, steal under pants. <laughs> step, step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Exactly. So that's that's what I'm doing with Von Bell. And then my hold is Jesse Bates. I love Jesse Bates. Uh, he is a 2022 UFA, but he's not going anywhere. Um, he were, will very likely be tagged or signed. Uh, 90.1 PFF, which is the best of all safeties. Last three years, 109 combined tackles, 100 combined tackles, 111 combined tackles. He's consistently excellent. And he's not as big a name as Jamal Adams or Buda Baker. Uh, but you're getting the same exact production, basically. You're talking like a tackle, maybe two tackles a game difference um, off a guy you can get exponentially later than Buda Baker or Jamal Adams. Uh, so I love Jesse Bates. He, he's like he's like Justin Simmons, um, like a little bit better version of Justin Simmons, right? Like not a lot of people think about him or know about him uh, in startups, but he has such excellent, consistent weekly production, very reliable guy. Uh, so that's who I got. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think, um, and a good comp too. Yeah, like Jesse Bates, Justin Simmons, those guys that they they do play a little bit more of the deep safety role, right? But he's, they're they're kind of the rare free safeties that that don't really get hurt in their IDP value because of it, right? So most free safeties I try to avoid for the most part because they play so far from the line of scrimmage and away from the action. But somebody like Jesse Bates, it, it just hasn't it hasn't hindered him at all. He's been he's been amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm perfectly good with with holding Jess, Jesse Bates. Um sell, yeah, I mean I, I get that for sure. I, I like Von Bell uh as like a box safety kind of guy. But yeah, if you can sell him i mean yeah like you say db is a replaceable position uh for the most part so if you can move him based on his production on last year i'm all for that uh and maybe yeah they the Bengals keep drafting linebackers so <laughs> it's very possible that they eventually they're going to get a good linebacking core there and and there's some good players there but i mean they just haven't shown it just yet but we'll see uh we'll see what happens this year and then yeah buying sam hubbard that that's a good one i i did a like a my guys article last year going into the year and sam hubbard was was one of the top names on my list i i love that um tackle production out of the edge position it's huge it's like the 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 sacks are just kind of like a nice cherry on top when you when you're getting that many tackles especially if your defensive ends are scoring a little bit more points than say your linebackers and or defensive backs for tackles, things like that. He's kind of this little silent IDP assassin, Sam Hubbard. So that's, that's a good call for sure. 
Um, all right. So then moving to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I am buying Alex Highsmith. So it was just announced today. The Steelers are not getting the franchise tag to Bud Dupree. So there is an open edge position uh, opposite TJ Watts and the Steelers didn't sign JJ Watt as a lot of people thought maybe they would. So that's another bullet dodged for, for Alex Highsmith's opportunity. And th- there might be some more bullets for him to d- dodge as the off season goes along, but he, he actually looked good when he did take over for Bud Dupree when he went down for the year uh, last year as, as one of the rookies that performed better in 2020. So he he actually led all rookie edge rushers in pass rush win rates, minimum 100 snaps. Uh, his pass rush, pass rush win rate was a 16.5%. Uh, that was even above Chase Young I, on significantly less snaps, but I mean, at least to show that he's he was good and not terrible. Uh, and then again, once he took over for Bud Dupree in week 13, he ended up collecting 17 total pressures, which was a top 20 mark in the league to close out the regular season. So didn't necessarily get those sack numbers, but the indicators are there. And like you say, the sacks are not a number that, you know, you want to focus in on and think that it's going to be a stable number. These other things like win rates, like pressures, they're better indicators of when and if those sacks are going to come. So he's he's a guy that there's a good chance he's still kind of free in a lot of dynasty leagues or at least pretty cheap. So I think now is kind of the time to go in and buy low with uh, Alex Highsmith. My sell is going to be Minka Fitzpatrick. So I, I just kind of touched on it with the the deep safety role. Uh, I'm pretty much out of Minka Fitzpatrick's just shares to sell from from my dynasty teams, but it, it's kind of a nice thing to do. People will flock to these big names and i think as a, a former first rounder out of alabama fitzpatrick is certainly that right he, he makes his money on those unstable plays like fumbles and interceptions uh but the tackle numbers aren't his his best asset and and those are where most of his points will need to come from playing that deep uh safety role is in those unstable numbers and if his tackle floor is going to be low i think you can try to sell him when he has those big games or big years uh, of interceptions or fumbles whatever it happens to be still had a nice year but you know those numbers are going to fluctuate week to week and and year to year if you even look back at like his 2019 uh, game log you can kind of see what to expect more often than not he has a lot of games where he kind of disappears um and even even for how good he was this year you can kind of see the clear peaks and values of of peaks and valleys valleys of how he he scores at his position so kind of the opposite of jesse bates um like we talked about they both play a free safety role for the most part but i would definitely rather have jesse bates long term and and even week to week just because of that tackle floor so i'm always looking to move fitzpatrick for a more stable player and then lastly my hold is cameron hayward definitely a guy that's getting older no doubt about that but he's a solid player for his position we keep coming back to these kind of defensive tackles that that score well um 2019 he had a monster season uh which was always going to be tough to repeat but it doesn't mean he still isn't a great uh, idp asset after not repeating it uh and, and especially in those dt required leagues he's been a top 
defensive top five defensive tackle and total pressures with 62 as well as pass rush win rate 17.5 percent this year uh he's still winning at an elite level uh with 97 percent of his pressures coming in three seconds or less so he's not slowed down by his age of, of 32 which is nice to see yeah man i'm with you 100 so yeah hayward was dt1 in most leagues in 2019 which is yeah. kind of Kind of surprising because he's been on my teams for years and years and years because he's always been a really good, reliable, consistent defensive tackle. And that's hard to find. He's in that that upper tier, um, you know, right after the Buckners and Donalds and Chris Jones of the world. But he's right there. I mean, he's always been really good. And yeah, I'm with you. I would 100 percent hold him. Um, yeah. Minka is very, very much boomer bust. He was a little more consistent last year, but. You're right. 2019 is what to look at. You either get a massive game or you get nothing and consistency is king, right? I want to know what I'm going to get every week. I, I don't want to be happy one week and then toast the other week. Like it, it, that's, that's not ideal. Uh, Bates and Simmons are like those unicorns for free safety. Whereas Minka and like Kevin Biard are like what you should expect, right? Like just nothing or everything. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, Highsmith, I'm into it if it's sleeper or if it's like ESPN and you've got an edge position, or if you're in one of those, my fantasy leagues where they like tweak it and make everything what it should be with like the true positions. But if he's just like a legit linebacker, um, I'm good. I'm all set. Uh, I will score points all the time, not just sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I should have said is that, <laughs> yeah, in, in those like true position leagues, Alex Highsmith, definitely more valuable than if he's just listed as a linebacker for sure. Yeah. But that's, that's what I like about sleeper though. That's why I'm in so <laughs> many sleeper leagues. Cause I've got my, my degenerate leagues with like all the other degenerates. And then, you know, if I just want to relax, like, and, and not have to be so high strung about everything, like I'll just play sleeper. It's like, ah, oh, he's, you know, it, yeah, I could plug uh, TJ Watt in here. Yeah, I could plug Alex Highsmith in here. Like, which is nice because that's what they do. They are pass rushers. Like that's yeah, yeah. you know you, sh- you should you should be able to do that in Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and yeah, I think that's the way to go, right? You want the true position stuff, but I yeah, it's I understand not all the websites do it, so it is what it is. But hopefully, we get there eventually um, with all the platforms. So. Uh, yeah, so moving on to the AFC South and the Houston Texans. Okie dokie, Houston Texans. So I am buying, this is going to be a weird one, but you'll get it. Uh, you will get it, but most other people won't. I am buying Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, so he's a 2024 UFA. His PFF is 58.2, which is good, not great. Uh, you get a great value for the production uh, plus, he was playing more than Cunningham last year. They kind of swapped. Like uh, Cunningham dropped to like eighty something percent of snaps, and McKinney was up to hundred percent before he got hurt. And Tyrell Adams came in. Um, he he's the value here, right? Because Cunningham finished with the most combined tackles uh, this year. He's going to be one of the top LBs taken, even though his PFF grade is crap. He's in danger of losing his job, but no one looks at that. No one cares. They're just going to take him because of what they saw last year in the numbers and not realize, like you said, that he missed 22 tackles, that he tired for the most missed tackles in the league, right? Like that's important. He could lose his job in any week because of stuff like that. Um, McKinney, however, is much less of a risk. You're still getting excellent production, but he's like an LB three or four price, right? Like you don't have to spend high draft capital to, to, to get him. And you're still getting pretty decent production, pretty consistent production. 
you know, I've had him on teams for years now and I've always liked him. Um, you know, he's good for five to seven tackles a game, every game, and he doesn't cost anything. So I'm a big uh, Bernardrick McKinney guy. Uh, I would sell Zach Cunningham bef- while you still can, especially coming off of last year um, with all the tackles he had. Uh, he's a 2025 UFA, so he did just resign pretty recently. But his PFF is only 61, and that was fluctuating all over the place all season. And it was down to like the 40s, I believe, at some points. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, he was down. He was down pretty low at some points, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He struggled quite a bit in a few games. And, and yeah, the missed tackles killed this grade a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then, you know, about game nine or 10 <clears throat> or 11, somewhere in there, he saw a 20% reduction in snaps. So it started to show, right? He was burnt in coverage often. He, he finished uh, with, with the most combined missed tackles, um, along with, uh, I forget the other guy you mentioned. Um, but he did finish with the most combined tackles at linebacker for this year. So you can parlay that into getting someone else who stays on the field during passing downs, who stays on the field during all downs. Uh, linebacker is a flat position. You know, Alex, Alex Singleton uh, has the same production week to week, essentially. And that's just the guy, right? Like I got him for free from paying attention and clicking a mouse last year. And, and I got the same production pretty much just by paying attention. So you could sell a big name like this and use it to improve your offense. Use it to get better at a position where it drops off a cliff, like defensive tackle or defensive end. Um, and then just pay attention and get someone similar off waivers. You could do that, right? There was Alex Singleton, Tyrell Adams, Joe Thomas, Jerome Baker, Boye Aluakon, Neville Hewitt. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Like you're not getting that much less production from these waiver wire guys. It's, it's really not that big a difference. Um, And then my hold would be Bradley Roby, even though he got suspended. Uh, So he's a 2023 UFA, 71.6 PFF. He plays, it, it's, it, this is easy. He plays 100% of snaps every single game. He gets targeted often. He's in the sweet spot for corner. Good, not great. Um, and Houston gets in a lot of shootouts. And that's great for streaming corner. Uh, their defense is crap, but their offense is decent. So, you know, you're talking 35 to 34 with, you know, 50, combined, 50 pass attempts on each team. That's, that's excellent for streaming corner. And Bradley Roby is in the middle of that every week. So I, I love uh, holding Bradley Roby. Yeah, good call for sure. That's that's uh, yeah, that's an interesting one, right? Because yeah, the suspension obviously hurt him, and and one that people probably forget. But yeah, if he's playing a hundred percent of snaps, you you gotta love that. And that that was something that yeah, Zach Cunningham wasn't doing. It was weird. Even Tyrell Adams was playing ahead of him last year, and like you said. Benedict McKinney was playing ahead of him too before he got hurt. So it's, it's a risk, right? When, when guys are really struggling, they can get pulled. Um, if they're being taken advantage of by the offense, then you, you, you want to keep an eye on those things. So I'm okay with selling Zach Cunningham, especially at a peak um, after a peak year like this, where he, he, he led the league in tackles um, and buying Benedict McKinney for sure. I, I, you know, Tyrell Adams, People became really invested in him last year because he he was such a good waiver wire pickup, and they're like, "Oh, what if you know Tyrell Adams starts again next year?" <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to happen. He, he's first off, he's a free agent. You know, he's nothing special as, as a linebacker. Just because he was a good IDP doesn't necessarily mean he's a good NFL player. Uh, Benardrick McKinney's he's locked up there. 
it, the, the Texans are in no desperate cap situation. There's there's no reason for them to cut him. I, McKinney, like you said, he's going to be the value in drafts and in trades between him and Cunningham for sure. And and I always gravitate towards that. So um, I'm with you in, in buying Benardrick McKinney for sure. Um, all right, heading to the Indianapolis Colts. I am buying Kyrie Willis, uh, the safety. So he's been kind of one of my favorite buy low type players so far this offseason. Uh, he's he's a hybrid safety himself. He, he plays mostly in the box and he, he does perform well in that role too. So Adrian Amos was the only other safety in the league that actually uh, graded higher than than Kyrie Willis when playing in the box. Um, so he was the number two graded safety in that position, and uh, he, so he he gives himself a decent tackle floor as a box safety. A large chunk of his tackles are, are solo tackles, which really helps. Um, he even finished with more solo tackles than uh, guys like I mentioned before, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jabril Peppers, even uh, even more than Jamal. Adams, but Jamal Adams did miss some time. But uh, Kyrie Willis is is probably not going to cost you much. Uh, we're I'm in a startup right now, and he just went as DB twenty eight uh, to me. I, I took him in that spot, and I was really happy with the value. So I'm buying Kyrie Willis because of the the low um, price tag and uh, and his decent uh, tackle floor. And I am selling Danico Autry. This one, probably a tougher sell uh, in, in Dynasty. He's an older player. Uh, and I've pretty, yeah, he's also expected to be a, a free agent as well. But the thing I think that helps your case in trying to sell a guy like this is his seven and a half sacks uh, last season. So you, you can try and sell to those people that are obsessed with looking at box scores and, and sack numbers. It, but the seven and a half half sacks were nice. They were top 20 among edge defenders, but his pressure numbers where he only had 35 were tied for like 41st among edge defenders. So he was a higher conversion rate, um, which tends to be an unstable, um, an unstable metric for sure. And, and just another reason to sell for, for Danico Autry. And then last, I am holding Kamoko Ture. So I, I'm curious to know if I'm the only one that still still owns any Kamoko Ture shares. I don't know at this point because the guy hasn't seen the field much in the past two seasons. But I, I he's likely been dropped in plenty of leagues at this point. And I sent out a tweet earlier uh, today saying that he, he was the o- he's been the only edge defender in the last two years, regardless of, of minimum snap counts that has finished in the top five of pass rush win rates uh, for his position um, in both years. So uh, there just to kind of give myself maybe a little bit of a glimmer of hope, but <laughs> I, I think there there's reason to kind of hold on to him uh, in, in that Justin Houston, Al Kadeen Muhammad and Danico Autry are all set to become free agents. So I think there's a little bit more of a, of a, an opportunity for him in 2021 so maybe we see that bigger role but yeah i I, i'm just going to try to hold on to him for one more year and see what happens so if you got him if you're one of the five other people in idp leagues out there that still owns kamoko toure we'll hold on to him together and and hope that he pays off (laughs) yeah man it, it can't hurt right especially in those crazy deep leagues where you need every advantage possible um you know why not it stranger things have happened you know um 
Jesus, I, I'm drawing a blank. The dude on the Cowboys that came back this year and, and was oh, wrecking the house. Alden that, Smith. <laughs> yes, Alden Smith. Right. Like, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, so I'm with you. Um, Autry, I, I remember he was such a great defensive tackle back in the day. He was on many older IDP teams. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you could find a target audience for that. Point towards those seven and a half sacks. Point towards you know the old fart in your league that's been doing this forever, and they'll remember the go- the glory days. Um, you know, like like if Snacks Harrison came back and had five sacks, I'd probably trade for him just remembering the old times. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you use nostalgia to your advantage with uh, with Autry there. Um, and then Willis, I'm with you too. I, I think uh, that that's looking pretty good for the future. Um, and you know, I mean, yeah, the, it it may not be easy to to get as much production with, uh, you know, Okariki and Leonard in front of you. But I don't know. I mean, he, he had some really good flashes and, and it's, it's safety, right? Worst case scenario, you, you try someone else. It's, it's not like it's defensive tackle where if you get it wrong, you're toast, like just keep trying. So I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a good, good, uh, buy right there. Nice. Um, all right, let's do the Tennessee Titans. Okie dokie. Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm buying Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, we talked about this briefly earlier. Like there are so few excellent uh, IDP defensive tackles and this guy looks like he's going to be one of them. Right. So he's a 2024 uh, UFA 83.9 PFF uh, 49 combined tackles and three sacks. That's with a bunch of missed games. Uh, he's really coming on as an IDP defensive tackle. The playing time's there, the talent's there, and he's still under the radar in a lot of places, so he's maybe not going to cost you as much. So absolutely on board with that. Uh, I'm selling Harold Landry, um, 2022 UFA, uh, 64 PFF. Uh, 69 combined tackles is decent, five and a half sacks, not great. Decent value in sleeper, but in non... uh, uh, I'm just going to read this like I wrote it. Uh, but in non-preschool IDP leagues, he's useless. Uh, scores points every every other week and just some weeks, not every week. So I'm good. Um, and hold, Jayon Brown. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. He's a UFA, uh, 68.4 PFF. But he's been described as a, quote, stellar coverage linebacker, which means he'll probably have a job somewhere, right? Like, if you can cover as a linebacker, you will get a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised that the Titans held on to him, but that's, that's a wait and see. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to get your take on the Jayon Brown stuff. Yeah. I like him. Like you said, I think he is one of the better free agent linebackers, um, that's expected to hit the market. Uh, he'll probably land a starting gig somewhere. I think ultimately Tennessee should probably try and resign him. Uh, I know that even, I think it was today he got a, he got a clean bill of health um, after his, his elbow injury that knocked him out for the year. So I, I like Jalen Brown. I, I'm, I'm going to hold him. I know uh, Josh Raymer, that's like, he calls him his biological son. <laughs> so he, he's a big Jayon Brown stand as well. So I, I, I do think Jayon Brown's a good player. I think he's a good IDP as well. So I'm, I'm happy to hold him. Yeah. Selling Harold Landry too. I mean, a hundred percent, no edge player played more snaps than Landry this year. He played him and JJ Watt both played over a thousand snaps but only landry he, landry led the league and his 51 pressures that he managed on all those snaps was like tied for 24th in the nfl he was about as ineffective as frank clark with his five sacks so uh I, i'm willing to sell landry people still like him but i don't think he's he's that great of an edge rusher uh and then jeffrey simmons
Woods. Yeah, probably the best player on the entire Titans defense. He's he's good as a pass pass rusher. He's good as a run stopper, um, and he's only going to be 24 years old. So um, by the time the season kicks off, so I'm I'm definitely going to try to buy Jeffrey Simmons in in those DT required leagues for sure. Nice. All right. And then lastly, we have our final team on the list and fittingly, probably the team that finished last place in, in the league last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So <laughs> I am buying Caleb on chase on, uh, judging by like some of the Twitter conversations that I've seen around him, it seems like Jaguar fans are maybe the only ones that still believe in him at this point, even though he's still really young and it was only played one year. Um, but again, most people look at box scores and they assume he wasn't good and, and it wasn't a great start to the year, but he did start to put it together down the stretch. Uh, he almost doubled his pressure numbers in the final five weeks compared to his first 12 weeks. So he went from 10 in the first five to 19, or 10 in the first 12 to 19 pressures in the final five weeks. And then he improved his pass rush grade by nearly 20 points in that time as well. So he, he was, he actually turned it on down the stretch. And I I think he's worth, you know, a shot. If those people are looking at just sack numbers or box scores, then you could probably buy him for pretty cheap. And he even had a pressure rate that was slightly higher than, than even chase young last year. It wasn't much higher 9.2% versus 9%, but uh, at least it's to say that, you know, he's um, he wasn't bad, right? He's he, that as that most people might think he was with just the one sack. Uh, I'm selling Miles Jack. I, I don't mind trading away linebackers if I know I can get a decent haul in return and usually don't have to do much convincing me to sell them. Usually it's more a case of kind of what these linebackers do to convince me to keep them. Uh, and in Miles Jack's case, I, there there isn't much for me. I, I just He seems to have this perception around, perception around him that he's this great NFL linebacker, but I just struggle to see it. Like each and every year, I, I don't know whether it's because he's like a top five paid linebacker or what the case is, but he always appears to be more valued than, than what I think he actually Actually is and uh, I, I think he is kind of more just an LB three for the most parts, but I think he's valued a little bit more than that. Uh, he's never led his team in total tackles since entering the league, uh, and he's usually playing second fiddle to a guy like Joe Schobert or Telvin Smith, whoever it happens to be. And then as far as grades go too, just to kind of back up that the point of him not being this great linebacker, he's never once finished as a top twenty five linebacker in any season since he's. Um, since he's joined the the NFL in, in terms of PFF grades. So I think you could probably get him get more for him than what he's actually worth. So that's why I'm I'm happy to sell Miles Jack and then just plug in somebody else. Like you said, you can get guys for free like Alex Singleton or uh, Tyrell Adams type players in season all the time. So Miles Jack, if you could get a haul, I'm willing to sell him. Uh, and then the last one is Josh Allen. I, I'm going to consider him as a hold. He only had two and a half sacks this year and 13 tackles. It was pretty disappointing year. He struggled with injuries, um, especially like compared to that huge rookie season where he managed 10 and a half sacks. Uh, But we got to understand like injuries are part of the game, right? We're not going to try to sell these guys just because they got hurt. Uh, He'll only be 24 this season. And he's definitely flashed that pass rush ability that made him such a highly touted prospect coming out of Kentucky. 
his final year in Kentucky, he had an insane 94.4 pass rush grade. Uh, and both seasons in the NFL, he's graded above 70 in that category. So I, I'm not panicking on Josh Allen. I think he's he's in a, a good spot for to be a big-time bounce-back candidate uh, in 2021. Yeah, I'm with you, man. <clears throat> I'm not panicking on him um, or Max Crosby either. <clears throat> Those were a couple guys that people were just like ready to abandon ship on. And it's like, well, you know, we saw these great, great rookie seasons. Like, you know, let's let's give it a minute. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. Uh, and then Miles Jack, you're right. Linebackers replaceable. He was hot for a minute this season. So you could probably, um, you know, parlay that. Uh, he's, you know, be like, Hey, look at weeks, you know, four through 12. Like it, he was incredible. You know? Um, but yeah, you're right. Totally replaceable and chase on. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know enough about him to be honest with you. I, I we don't get Jags games here. So I, I re- rarely, rarely see him play, but, uh, I mean, you know, I've heard good things, so, you know, why not, um, take a stab on it. If you're right, then you're, you're really right. And the price is right right now. So may as well. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's it. We did it. We covered the entire AFC all in one podcast. Uh, We've now got both conferences covered over two episodes. That's 32 teams, 96 players. You love to see it. Thank you, everybody, for for listening. Thank you, Johnny, for for joining me today. Uh, It was a really fun episode. Um, Before you go, please uh, share with the folks uh, where we can find you on the Twitters. And if you have anything, any work you'd like to promote that you're doing this off season or in season, please share. Awesome. Thanks. You. Thank you, man. Um, and this was a really good time. I appreciate it. Uh, it was, it was nice talking to you and getting to know you. Uh, I really enjoy our uh, Marvel chat in between episodes of whatever's on Disney plus. That's good yeah. stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm over at idpguys.org, uh, in season, I write the monster, um, I don't know, because I'm a crazy person. So that that's, that's like 15 to 17,000 words about every single team's IDP production, playing time, waivers, scheme changes, whatever, uh, every week, all season. Uh, then we do the IDP guys podcast and then, uh, the DF triple S podcast here on the big three network. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. And then at Orangeman3142 on Twitter. And uh, thanks again, man. Definitely appreciate it. No, thank you. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And yeah, like you mentioned, that monster, it truly lives up to his na- to its name. It It is an incredible piece to do uh, every week. So kudos to you for, for putting that out there for the people. That thing is amazing. Um, all right. So with that, we are a wrap on another episode of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. Thank you again to everyone who tuned in and hopefully uh, the, the kind folks found this advice actionable and, and go out there and make themselves some deals. Uh, you can find my work on pff.com just as this series of IDP buy sell holds wraps so does my written version of this uh, will be out this week Uh, it was done by division and the last division is coming out on Thursday Uh, this coming week I will be dropping my IDP dynasty ranks on the site I'll be looking to cover just over 300 IDPs. Uh, we went big this year because leagues come in all shapes and sizes, and I wanted to be able be able to cover all bases. Uh, so I do this for you, the people. Uh, if you want access to more of my stuff, get yourself a PFF Edge or Elite Elite Descript. 
Elite subscription, which will also give you access to the best content that PFF has to offer. So next week, we make the long-awaited transition to this incoming rookie IDP class, and we're going to start at the linebacker position, and I will be joined by another member of IDPguys.org, Mr. Kyle Bellyfuel. So I'm really excited to be talking with Kyle uh, about these incoming rookies, so hopefully you all keep tuning in for that because it is going to be fun. Uh, so hopefully we see you there and until next time id peace out